Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Today is the first day of December. I cannot believe it. So uh, happy December, everybody. Uh, Thanksgiving is gone. It is now, when do you guys start, Rick and Cher, when do you guys start um, playing Christmas music traditionally? Don't. I already have. No. No. Number one is good with me. <laughs> You're fine playing thing, playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Right, I am. I love I, it. I, can play I can't down. stand it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand people like you that turn it on. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh. oh man. Well, it's December, and uh, we're in the full swing of Advent. Um, we are moving towards the second Sunday of Advent right now. And so if you haven't noticed, the Bible reading plan is, is introducing us to passages that have to do with the theme of Advent. If you're not familiar, the word Advent means basically coming. And um, it, more than just preparing ourselves to open presents and celebrate, you know, the first coming of Jesus, even though it is about that, celebrating Jesus born as a baby, Advent is really about anticipating Jesus' second coming and preparing ourselves for that, um, preparing ourselves with righteousness and justice and, and um, repentance and acknowledging the, um, the coming reign of Jesus that could come at any day now. And um, we also wait patiently and eagerly for and hasten it. So that's really what um, Advent is about. And um, as we're walking through these um, passages this week, Rick and Cher Veldeman are our guests to be able to have dialogue together about the scriptures. And whenever we open scriptures with other people, um, something kind of magical happens, I think, where um, we, you know, if I read this alone, I get different things out of it than if I read it with other people. And um, we're just trusting and, and paying attention to how the Spirit might be showing up in dialogue as we open the scriptures together. So we're going to read today Psalm 85 verses 1 through 2, and then we'll skip to 8 through 13. Um, Rick, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to read this passage for us this morning, and then we'll reflect on it. Sure. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquities of your people and covered all their sins. Verse 8, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares a way for his steps. Thanks, Rick. So, Rick and Cher, as you hear this passage again, what's 
what's maybe something that's capturing your attention, especially something that, that causes you to pause or question or troubles you a little bit. Um, what's kind of grabbing about this passage? Well, um, I have a couple uh, verses um, I like to underline in my Bible, and so that's what I've done. But um, verse 8 um, in 9a, or, or even all of 9, says, I will listen to what the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but don't let them return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him that his glory may dwell in our land. And um, just the way things are right now in our country, um, not only with elections, but, you know, the, the just problems with people, just seems like everyone's angry. And um, it just says he promises peace to his, his people, his yeah. saints, um, and that his glory will dwell in our land. Yeah. yeah, that's a great promise. Uh, peace, shalom, is a um, is a word that encapsulates. You're talking about verse eight. He will speak peace to his people. That word shalom encapsulates more than just absence of conflict. It's really a full restoration of all things. And mm -hmm. so, um, when you're talking about um, relational, political, societal tensions. Mm -hmm. that make life really complicated and difficult, even familial tensions, um, mm -hmm. that all has to do with the shalom that God promises to speak to his people. Mm -hmm. That's good news. I think verse 1 and 2 are also reassuring that he shows favor to your land. He restored the fortunes of Jacob. He forgave the iniquities of all his people and covered all their sins. Yeah. Yeah, what's what's grabbing you about that? Just reassuring that, you know, you can take all your problems to God and he's he's gonna take care of you for that. He's he's always there for you. Yeah. You know what strikes me about this passage is um we are not used to um connecting land with righteousness, you know. Um land with faithfulness or, or God's peace, um, his kingdom, our um, conceptions of how the kingdom of God comes into the world is so much more spiritual, you know, and this seems so gritty and dirty um, as a, as a contrast, you know, like I, I, I know that this culture that it was written in is an agrarian culture, you know, uh, yeah. and they, they associated wealth with flocks, with crops, you know, with how big your barns were, how big your family was as a result of having enough calories to actually have kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when they're talking about, you know, being favorable to your land, I think it's not in the exact same way we say the word land. You know, this land is your land. This land is my land, right? right. Like, like sure. we think of land as in like a geography or like a, you know, a map, a political landscape. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm... I think back then, I, I think, you know, most people were a farmer of some sort. Yes. 
you know, even if it was a part-time farmer or they did something else, they still depended on their, on their land uh, uh, to help them out and to give them the food and the, you know, the animals that they needed to survive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's a really good insight. And um, when it says you restored the fortunes of Jacob, they're not just talking about, we got all our money back or something like that. They're saying the land became fertile again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. That somehow our sin is connected with the desolation of land and somehow God's righteousness and faithfulness have to do with the, f- the fertility of land. And that's something that I'm just not used to talking about in, in Christian dialogue or in Christian circles or in, you know, discipleship conversations is how our, you know, how God's righteousness and kingdom coming, righteous kingdom coming into the world, how that affects our, our literal land, how that affects our economy, how that affects our, you know, sense like our provision, God's provision for us. Um, even if you were to modernize this, um, like what does this have to do with, what does God's righteousness and kingdom have to do with um, economy, with provision, with fertility of land, with desolation of land? So um, I don't know. There's something I just don't really think about very much. Um, do you guys think about that very much? Like, um, no, I really don't. It's you know, Cher's brother-in-law was used to be a dairy farmer, and many a times that we would get together, you know. They would, he would talk about his corn, putting his hundred, couple hundred acres of corn in or something. Mm-hmm. And, and then you would think of it, you know, because he's always worried about the weather. And he's just, you know, if it doesn't rain after I get the crops put in, then the crops aren't going to grow and that sort of stuff. And, you know, it, it's a totally different thing being a farmer. Yeah. Right? You know, compared to you get up, you go to work for nine to five or whatever, and you come home and you leave your worries behind you. Mm-hmm. But you don't do that as a farmer. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Typically you're living on the land that is providing for you. You can't get away from it. Right. And I would love to hear a farmer reflect on this passage um, and, and the connection between God's provision, God's righteousness, God's kingdom, and the fertility of the land that they depend upon, you know, for their own survival and for their families you know, um, well-being. Um, God's hands, because all you're doing is putting the, the seed in the ground and yeah. pick the, you pick the final crop again, you know, but if, if God doesn't send the rain and the sunshine and temperatures have to be right. And so yeah. even picking and harvesting yeah, yeah. The crop depended on, on, on yeah. rain, dry yeah. weather yeah. and, you know, so yeah, yeah. You didn't have like big, you know, irrigation piping or something like that. You're right you're really heavily dependent upon those rains and season to be able to grow your crops. So I just imagine just getting into that worldview of, of someone, not just whose, whose own liveliness livelihood depends on um, crops growing and, and can't get their crops to grow unless God blesses it. You know, they can't, they can't do it on their own. They can't Mm -hmm. make grains grow out of the ground. Um, they can plant seed, like you said, Rick. Mm-hmm. But not only that for themselves, but to be in a, a culture and a society where that's the 
only way your nation is going to survive. That's the only way your neighbors are going to survive. Um, that you're completely dependent upon God's provision and how you would form a spirituality, a, a relationship with God that was deeply connected to the land that you're on. Um, I think that would just be a different way of understanding God where I think we overall kind of see ourselves as economically independent from God's interact, you know, activity. Like, like we can generate income regardless of whether God steps in or not. That's how we feel. Yeah. Right. And, um, and gosh, I'm thankful for an economy where I can participate and feel like I have some control um, over how I make money and things like that. But I think there's something that I end up not really understanding about about my relationship with God when financially or economically it feels sometimes like we're independent from that. So yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's something I learned from this. You talked earlier, Brendan, before about your garden. If your garden doesn't grow, you just... No big deal. Go to, go to the grocery store. Yeah, you know, it's a hobby. For a farmer, that's not a hobby. You know, it's, it's that's right. their way of life. And, but yes, but, you know, the farmer is 100% dependent on God. Yeah, right. But our jobs aren't, we're not that secure. I mean, we yep. should have been more right. dependent on right. God because right. we could have gone into work any day and said, you know, you're done. You yeah. lost your job yeah. or right. you it's know, an illusion down or, you know, whatever. And we just took our job so for granted, right. you know, and didn't really depend on God. And, and with the pandemic, there's so many people that did lose their job, you know, or short term or they're laid off because they can't work. Yep. Restaurants are closed and that sort of stuff. So, yep. Yep. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. It, share what you're saying is we're all equally as dependent on God as this farmer in this, in this Psalm, right? Yeah. We just have an illusion that we're not. Right. And what does that do to our souls and our relationship with God to think that we are independent of his provision and that we can just go out to the store and get what we need if he doesn't come through. Right. You know? right. right. And I think even farmers today would understand that too, of if their crop doesn't work out, they might be able to, to use, you know, fertilizer or, you know, or, you know, get better seed or, you know, irrigate better or, right. or, you know, jump in with the farmer down the road who, you know, whatever. Um, and no matter what your profession is, I think you're going to be susceptible to this way of thinking of, I am master of my own economics. Yeah. And, um, even if you're a farmer, I think there might be a temptation to think that way. Um, but this passage reminds me how dependent we are on God's provision for everything. So anyway, that's what was kind of grabbing me. Well, thanks guys for engaging that conversation around Psalm 85. Um, for those of you who are listening, I encourage you to send your own thoughts about this scripture passage. Um, go in peace today and we will be with you tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be reading 2 Peter 3 verses 18 through 15, sorry, 8 through 15. And we will be with you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace.